Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and every week we bring incredible real estate investor goddess superstars, so women that are crushing it in the real estate investment field. And today, I'm super excited because we have not only somebody who's a successful real estate investor, but she's also in the mortgage industry. You know, one of the biggest questions that would-be investors have is, where am I going to get the money to purchase my investment property? And our guest today, Chaley Ridge, is the expert on that. She's spent the last 21 years as a nationwide investment lender. And she's also, like I said, she's a real estate investor, having held 42 properties across the United States. She's the owner and CEO for Rich Lending Group. She works with thousands of investors and has helped more families realize their dreams of financial independence through real estate than any other mortgage lender in the country. RLG is the preferred lender for dozens of investment networks nationwide, making her a true leader in real estate lending. Uh, She possesses extensive knowledge and experience in all aspects of real estate finance, and I'm thrilled to have her here. Welcome, Chaley. Thank you so much, Monique. I am so happy to be here with you and your listeners. I can't wait to share Whatever information I can with everybody, I have to start by saying I am in love with the um, title of the podcast, right? Could it be any more appropriate? <laughs> goddess, <laughs> real estate goddess podcast. I love it. I love it. Well, you're definitely a real estate investing goddess. Um, <laughs> Thank I, you. I met Taylor at a, a Women in Real Estate Network event um, last year, and I was blown away by her, so I'm thrilled to have her on the show and um, I know you. I wanted, I'm definitely going to ask you questions about lending, but I, w- I want to start with your real estate investing. How did you get started in real estate investing? So um, maybe kind of a funny story. I was actually a pre-med student at the time, and I had gone back wow. to school a little bit later in life. And uh, my father was was in the the industry already, and he had started purchasing real estate for himself, um, seeing some of the writing on the wall. Um, this was in late, the late 90s, I would say. Anyway, I, um, I decided that being a starving student at, you know, 25, 26 was, was just not really working out for me. And um, I, I went to my dad and said, Dad, uh, give me a shot. And uh, I won't let you down kind of thing. And you know, I guess the rest is history. We just, we together, we, we took the, the industry by storm. And then most of your listeners are probably, well, some of them anyway, I'm sure you'll, you'll relate to this, Monique, that it was kind of good timing um, in the mid, early to mid 2000s where you couldn't yeah. make a wrong move. So yeah, we did, we did very well, very well. Yeah, that's my early starting story. That's that's great. And you, you start you're you're mostly doing single family residentials. Is that what you're you've been investing in? Yeah, for me personally, um, my focus has been residential, right? The single to four units. Okay. Um, I would say of all the properties we held, the majority was single family. We did have some two to four units as well, though. Okay, great. And now, how did you get started in lending? 
Well, similarly, because he had, yeah, so maybe I should just start by saying um, Ridge Lending is a second-generation company that, that really kind of oh, focuses okay. in this investor space. Yeah, so it was kind of two for one. Um, my father, his uh, bill, um, he was started the, the company and was doing financing just in general for homeowners and found that the niche for non-owner occupied was unique and didn't have as much competition. He was seeing what those investors were doing and their returns were like, and he jumped you know, both feet in, and it, it just kind of spiraled from there. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's true. They're very uh, – most lenders don't really know much about the – non-owner occupied space and it can be kind of hard to get loans in that way um you know what how how are you different from these other these other lending groups with with your focus and investors yeah let me start um you the comment was is that the non-owner occupied type of lending and underwriting is is very unique and that that couldn't be more true um if i can i'll start with kind of a fun statistic and I still haven't gone back and gotten um, the 2016, let alone 17 year yet, but it might be fun for your listeners to learn that in 2015, of all of the mortgage-backed securities that were resold on the secondary market, right, the ones that Fannie and Freddie bought, et cetera, less than mm-hmm. 3% of those mortgages were underwritten and secured by investment properties. So wow. to call it unique, yeah, and specialized is is really – maybe even an understatement. Um, So, you know, anybody that's gotten a mortgage after the crash probably knows that the amount of effort that goes into this crazy, imperfect process is is pretty intense. But then you throw non-owner occupied on top of it, and it's exponentially tougher. So... um, so, yeah, so what separates us, I think, is, is the uniqueness and that this is really what our focal point is. I think also that we're licensed nationwide. I hear that kind of commonly where they've got a great relationship with their, their lender or broker or whatever it might be, but they're only subject to that, that specific state, and they don't go outside of that state, and people want to diversify. Um, but I think more than anything, the, the fact that I happen to be that, that real estate investor as well and have that dual understanding and, and knowledge base it's a pretty unique perspective, um, and I've been able to leverage some of that in meaningful ways, I hope, to help educate my investor clients. So if there's one value add or our claim to fame, I think most people would say that Ridge Lending is known for its education of its investors, and of course, great customer mm-hmm. service and rates and terms and, and all that stuff, but the education, I think, kind of sets us apart. Yeah. Well, an educated investor is not likely to be a poor investor. <laughs> a poor, uh, Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? what is the – actually, let me back up. What kind of properties do you help investors purchase? So we, you know, because our focus is here in the investor non-owner occupied space, we have the opportunity and the ability to do almost anything um, when we're talking about housing. So – from residential, single family up to four unit, and then commercial properties, right? The, the plexus five units and above up to 100 unit apartment complexes. Um, you know, we can look at strip mall and, and retail space stuff. To be honest, though, that's not going to be um, as competitive in our wheelhouse. But anything housing-wise, I think that we're very competitive. Our focus, though, I would say maybe 80-20 is the residential four units and below. Okay. Great. Um, and 
I won't, I won't go. It, it could be a whole other hour for you to go into the difference between the residential and the. We won't go <laughs> okay. into that. We'll talk about that some other time. But um, what's the lending environment like right now for you know? Because ever you know, since the housing crash, things have changed. What what is it like now? Um, good question. So I would I would break this up into a couple of pieces in terms of um, availability of credit underwriting guideline, and then maybe interest rate. Uh, everyone's always, you know, when I'll do these podcasts or I'll speak to a group um, education-wise, interest rate's always kind of a focal point. So if it's okay, Monique, I'll, I'll break it up into those three pieces, starting with product great. availability. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've found that as enough time goes by that the um, options and opportunities and availability of mortgage or lending credit continues to increase, in some ways I'm starting to notice that people have rather short memories, right? I mean, it wasn't all that long ago <laughs> that the world was ending, um, right? And, and people were, were losing homes. And I mean, it was, it was a gnarly time. So I'm, yeah. the product availability is really expanding. And I'm starting to see products out there that not, I, I wouldn't say that, that they're irresponsible in a way that, that many would have described 100% loan-to-value stated income, stated asset loan for an investor. We didn't do those anyway, but it's not that prevalent. I mean, it's, it, that's, it's not really where we've, we've come. But I am starting to see more secondary market investors that are doing non-owner-occupied loans for a debt service ratio underwrite, which means that it's less about the qualification of the individual and it's really mm-hmm. about the debt service mm-hmm. ratio of the property itself. So there's not a lot of income okay. calculation there. So the LTVs are still, you know, 20% down, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it's some loosening of credit for sure and, and opportunities are starting to present themselves. Um, okay. The underwrites are, are starting to get, even from a Fannie Freddie perspective, are starting to get um, a little bit um, – looser is not the right word to describe Fannie Freddie because it's restrictive, right? Um, yeah. The conventional loans – there, you know, it's the highest leverage at the lowest interest rate that you'd find on the planet, literally. So, given that golden rule, you you have to expect some um, restriction and uh, scrutiny in the underwrite. Yeah. But I'm I find yeah. that um, there is some easing a little bit uh, in that it it still seems to be two steps forward, maybe three steps back in regulation and, and some of the other things. But we're seeing some additional changes. I, I certainly am not going to get into a, any diatribe about um, my political affiliation, but uh, with the commander-in-chief that we have right now, uh, I'm seeing that there may be some additional loosening of credit guideline with regard to the CFPB and some of the changes. Again, i probably not necessary to go in here. But um, overall, I think it's it's a positive for most individuals what we're seeing in the the um, current environment for availability underwriting guidelines. Um, I'll just segue into interest rates. Now, here's yeah. where we maybe go downhill a little bit, but keeping it in perspective, we're still at the lowest place. Or, or yeah. exactly, yeah. So although um, the feds did Mm -hmm. raise rates in the middle of December, right, of 2017, Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. was expected. Um, We didn't see any huge increase um, just after that. Uh, It's just started, the trickle effect has started to kind of show itself recently. In fact, we had a rate increase today 
that was material enough that showed a full eighth to quarter of a point in the long-term mortgage rates for investors. Um, that's probably been the most substantial increase I've seen in the last six to eight months. So rates are on the rise, but I think most people are prepared for that. And let's not forget, right, that interest rates and, and rental income rates, the rents that we're collecting, they are very mm-hmm. closely tied, mm-hmm. even if they don't you know, change simultaneously. There's a six- to eight-month lag. Um, us investors always know that when rates go up, or rents are going to go up too. So there's some protection yeah. in that. Okay. Great. Oh, my gosh. That was so, so – I love that answer. Was that answer. too long-winded? Um, Did I <laughs> – No. No. I mean, it was, okay. But it was, it was really detailed and juicy. So that, thank you. That was really helpful to hear. Good. Because, okay. um, Good. you know, as a – as an investor, and I'm more, you know, most of the mortgages I've been getting recently have been in the, the commercial space, the larger, um, you know, 50 plus unit buildings. But mm-hmm. I, it is, it is nice though to to know that there's more availability and it's it's easier because I I was buying single family homes in 2009, 10, 11, 12, uh, up to 15. It was, it was tough. Um, you know, yeah. we couldn't get a mortgage <laughs> we had to um either pay all cash or go to hard money so um it's nice that there are more conventional products that are available um well, let me let me before we go on let me just clarify i don't want to set the wrong expectation for your investors we're still going to require dna samples and some vials of blood okay but <laughs> <laughs> but let's be clear it's it's not you know it's uh, we can actually get the loans now too. right yeah, <laughs> yeah right right exactly exactly okay <laughs> yeah it's it's there yeah it can be challenging but I guess for the I mean who's the ideal borrower for you know who's who's the borrower that's gonna get the easiest that has the easiest time. Um, okay, so let's okay, let's give a baseline. Let's say um, we'll talk conventional residential conventional. Um, I would mm-hmm. say that mm, we'd probably want to see a minimum credit score of, of 650. That's not to say that, that you couldn't get approved with, with below, that. maybe as low as 640. With the okay. lower credit scores, though, be expected um, or expect to be able to show some compensating factors, which would be strong assets maybe or a low debt-to-income ratio. Um, for the asset piece of qualification, uh, you're going to want to obviously be able to show liquid funds, equal to the amount of your down payment, of course. There's some mm-hmm. rules and regs to, to quantifying that. We don't have to get into those now. Um, but then also the reserve requirement for the assets. Those don't have mm-hmm. to be liquid. They can mm-hmm. be liquid or non-liquid. Um, but there's a reserve component there. So as long as they have the availability of, of that kind of assets to show, great. And then the debt-to-income ratio, this is a little bit more complicated. I'll try and keep it simple. Um, that's the other component that's most heavily weighted in qualifying an individual. The threshold for DTI, or debt-to-income, is 50%. And um, the easy math, and this is just for a straight wage earner, it gets a lot more complicated for the self-employed and if you've got K-1s and yeah. Uh, yeah. S, yeah, S-corp suit, whatever. Um, but for the straight wage earner, the, the simple formula is the 50% off the income that they can show and that 50% is uh, exclusive, almost exclusive, to the credit report, the monthly payments shown on the credit report. There's a few exceptions to that, but things like um, your living expenses, utilities, cell phone bills, food, gas, et cetera, 
Um, none of that is, is quantified in the debt-to-income ratio. So if you, as an example, quickly, if you made $10,000 a month, you could not mm-hmm. have more than $5,000 a month of monthly expenses showing on your credit report and still qualify to keep that 50% threshold. Does that help? Okay. Yeah, and yeah. would that also count with, um, so say you're getting, would they consider any of the income the property would deliver? Yes, I'm, I love that you asked that because I failed to mention it. Yes, the nice thing about conventional financing, the one of the only generous things about uh, Fannie Freddie uh, guidelines is that in the acquisition year, right, the, the year in which the property was purchased before it will fall mm-hmm. on the Schedule E, which is where rental properties will go on your federal tax return. But before it hits the Schedule E, the acquisition year formula is almost always going to be to the individual's benefit. And I'll just quickly give that formula. Is that okay, Monique? Yeah, go ahead. It, it's super simple. We will allow 75% of the gross rents, Okay. and then we will subtract from that number the total monthly mortgage payment, or what we call the PITI, Principal Interest Taxes and Insurance. As a real easy round number example, if your gross rents were $1,000 a month and your PITI, mm-hmm. your mortgage payment was 500 a month, in underwriting that scenario, we would give you 75% of our 1000 so 750 Then we would subtract mm-hmm. the $500 PITI, leaving us with what? A 250 positive, right? Right. Okay. That 250 positive now goes into the income column for that individual. So in answer to your question, yes, we get to use the rental income to offset the debt. And I can tell you since the crash, that formula will only ever serve to produce a positive number. But whether $1 positive or 250 to the example will depend on the property in the market, but it should be to the individual's benefit. So yes, that okay. was a long way to answer yes. No, that, that's great. Um, so that's helpful to know. So for people who are wondering, hmm, should I, you know, is this a route that I could do? Then, and, and it, it doesn't sound crazy, but it's just, yeah, you definitely need to be able to prove it and show all of it. <laughs> um, right. It, you know. All right. So let me um, back away a little bit from the lending right now and just ask more about your personal experience. Um, okay. I'd love to ask this question to the guests because I find that we learn so much more from our mistakes than we do when things Agreed. are smooth sailing and always going perfectly. So <laughs> what was your biggest mistake in your real estate investing career and what did you learn from it? Oh, um, okay. I would say I would say diversification and lack thereof, diversification is probably where I got myself in the most trouble. So um, looking back, uh, my, my most aggressive acquisition phase was, was in the pre-crash, right? And that particular yeah. real estate cycle was all appreciation. So of all the properties that yeah. we held, none of them cash flowed. And um, if I were... Yeah, if I were to go back and do it all over again, I would have probably we, – we were diverse in the markets, but not yeah. in the the play of real estate. So I probably would have had more of the properties, even if they were very modest cash flow, I would have had some additional holdings that, that could have helped when things mm-hmm. went really, really crazy. So, yeah, diversification would have been the one biggest thing I learned um, – and then what was the second part? I'm sorry. What was the other question? Yeah, it was really what was your was there a second piece? and what did you learn from it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So were you? Where were you invested? Were you mostly in California? Is that? <laughs> no, no, I was all over. Time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I was all over, all over the U.S. So, um, uh, Texas, Arizona, Florida, Mississippi, uh, Virginia, North Carolina. Some some properties in Eastern Oregon, where my my home base is. Um, uh-huh. What am I missing? Uh-huh. Washington. Anyway, we uh, Nevada. We were we were sprinkled out all over the U.S. But you were you were playing just a pure equity game then. You weren't trying to get cash flow as much as you were doing the equity. Is that correct. it? Correct. Yeah, correct. And and to varying degrees. I mean, some of the negatives were twenty five bucks a month. Some were several thousand that were shorter holds, right, that we would turn around and do what was called back in the day double escrow. And we did very well, you know, until we didn't. (laughs) Until that didn't work anymore. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So now now you're focused a little more on cash flow. For sure. I I still now, given that that commentary, I would still – very clearly recommend to investors, newer or seasoned, that I think it's it's wise to keep that balance and diversification. I don't think one or the other is the way to look at it. I think that as long as the property's cash flow, right, there should be some varying degrees of where you want to put your eggs in markets that have some potential appreciation play in the long term. Um, yeah. If it still cash flows, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Great. So the flip side question then is, what are you most proud of? Uh, I think just that that out of sheer dumb luck, probably, I'd like to say, say it was by design, but <laughs> probably default, that I, I weathered that storm and, and we managed to, to keep it together and, and live to tell the story, right? Um, I guess that, yeah. just that, that we yeah. made it through. It was, it was rough. I mean, it was rough doesn't cover it. It, it was. was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but we it we got pretty much it. everyone up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah. an exclusion to that. Yeah, <laughs> but that is something to be proud of for sure. You know, um, yeah. weathering the storm and not giving up—that's definitely something to be yes. proud of. Yeah. And to what do you attribute your success? Um, I think relentless focus. Just that mm. that dumb kind of bullheaded. I'm not letting this get the better of me. This is not bigger than me. Um, yeah, I, maybe maybe it was just something that 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 fire in my belly. I don't know that I was born with, but um, yeah, relentless focus and just not giving up. That was one of my mm. dad's things. So he was just kind mm. of a funny side story. I don't know what we're what we got on time, but um, he's an ex fighter pilot. He used to fly F fours and. One of the things I remember him saying as a kid, and it was a constant, um, is you, n- you never are the first to leave the dogfight. You, you get shot down, mm. right? If you leave the dogfight mm. first, you're the first to get shot down. Maybe not in those exact words, but that was the sentiment. And maybe that's where it came from. Yeah, I just I refused to give up. I'd had so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. I, I was not going to let it beat me. Mm. That's such a great quality. Um, so what, what advice would you give a woman who's just starting out in real estate investing? What would you tell her? I would tell her, um, I tell her to surround herself with the appropriate support systems, be the dumbest woman in any room, 
um, leverage <laughs> and learn and don't don't be afraid to ask stupid questions. Um, and and if this is something that that she's serious about, cold call, get on the phone to people that you you know have been successful in this, and and ask for ten minutes of their time and and ask those questions. What what should I know? What can you tell me that might help prepare me for success down this road? Um, yeah, support the support groups, your podcast. I mean, all of the education out there and the women. I find, and maybe you can you can speak to this too, Monique, and and I'm sure your listeners probably have the same stories, but there's something about the female connection and the support that you can find there that you just don't get or you don't feel like you get, even if it's if it's an inaccurate assumption. But I really think that, that women, powerful women together, um, there's, there's nothing more powerful. So go out there and, and leverage those relationships. Uh-oh. Did I lose you? Did I lose everybody or just Monique? I'm not sure if I'm here by myself. And you listeners can hear me out there in cyberspace. Monique did prepare me that in the event of technical difficulty, that um, she'd be back online quickly or we would reconfigure and and get through it uh, relatively painlessly. So I'm just going to sit here and keep on talking to either myself or the cyberverse. <laughs> it's kind of fun, actually. <laughs> if I had any any bit of a singing voice, I might serenade anybody that would be listening. But that would only serve to alienate every single person that would hear it. So let's see. Hmm. I'm going to keep on talking, or maybe not. Maybe we'll just go radio silent. Hmm. I guess I could check my email. I hear okay. something. So I got I got Hi. kicked out. <laughs> oh, Live no. radio. I think I warned you before about this. this you did. Um, <laughs> you did. And no, if it was no, if sorry. this is recorded, you're gonna laugh at me later. I don't know if anyone could still hear me, but um yeah, I, I was I, I was entertaining was, myself and maybe the masses. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last thing you said? Because you were talking about I, um just uh you know the education piece and um, the surrounding. Well, what, what advice? With, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I was about to serenade your audience, and I I thought better of it, so I I just kind of, <laughs> I just kept talking. I was trying to entertain myself, but I maybe I got a Good. laugh or two. I don't know. You'll have to tell me later. All right. I'm sure. I'm sure you did great. So thank you for that advice. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So so sorry. I don't know what happened. All of a no sudden, problem. Like, yes, you're about to ask me something, and then off I was. And so um, I just want to let people know because we are running out of time, and I want to do your Trinity, um, okay. which is the brag, gratitude, and desire. But before we get into that, what is the best way for people to reach you or reach Rich Lending Group? Yeah. Um, yes. So a couple of ways. Our website, www.ridgelendinggroup.com. 
You can check us out there. There's an intake form for people that want to kind of get started with a pre-qualification or if they just want to be contacted. Both options are available. Or our toll-free number is 855-747-4343, 855-74-RIDGE is an easy way to remember. Or if someone wants to just email, they can reach us. I'm on this distribution personally, so they can reach us at info at ridgelendinggroup.com as well. Great. Thanks for All asking right. that. So, yeah. Sure. Um, I, what you, like, like we were saying, what you do is pretty unique and super valuable for investors. So anybody who needs that care could use your services for sure. Contact Chaley. Um, okay, so it is our famed Trinity time. So what are you celebrating right now? What, what's your brag? Um, I The one thing, and I, I got to see these questions before we got on, obviously. You were gracious enough to, to let me have an opportunity to think about that. I would say the one thing I'm working on right now that I'm kind of um, proud or excited about is, is that I'm trying to put together a way that I can take my family and live abroad for a year. I want to take my kids and my husband, and we're looking at different areas in Italy to spend 12 months um, just immersing ourselves in the culture and the language, and there's a lot of logistics and semantics, but that's kind of my my exciting brag, I guess. Wow, so well bragged. Yeah. Yay. Um, yeah, rubbing your head, I have that. I have that same desire. So awesome. Really? So what are you grateful for? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be grateful uh, we'll for. talk offline. Um, yeah. You know, I think that my children's health is the, the one thing that, that continues to kind of go, come to mind. And, and, you know, I just, that's, that, that would be the number one grateful mm. for thing. Beautiful day, Justin. And lastly, what's one desire? Um. I think my desire to continue to find joy in the simple things in life, um, that's a, a lot of what got me through the, the rough time after the crash, is somehow, despite all of the, the insanity and the loss and the stress, and I was able to, to find laughter every day, somehow, in the midst of all of that. So I've kind of kept mm-hmm. that close, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's really a desire, but I would say continuing to, to find joy in the simple things. Need a little mm-hmm. one less. Lo- lovely. So shall it be or so much yeah. better than you can imagine. Beautiful yes. desire, beautiful trinity. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for entertaining everyone, even when I was gone. <laughs> um, and thank you for this like, super informative talk. It was really great. Uh, again, you guys can reach her at ridgelendinggroup.com or 855-74-RIDGE. You can reach me at the Real Estate Investor, uh, real estate, not the Real Estate Investor Houses, just realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. You can get my free ebook, The Real Estate Success Blueprint, The Seven Crucial Steps Every Woman Must Take to Be a Successful Real Estate Investor. And, um, and you can get links to join our private community there. Or thanks, thanks to all of you guys for listening and being here. Catch us next week for another great real estate investor goddess interview. Bye bye.